Kim. Uh, I think about Isaac Watts. Uh, so I would encourage you to, uh, to follow along, sing along with us. And I survey the wondrous cross. <laughs> Oh, 
mean, some beautiful lyrics um, from, uh, I mean, Isaac Watts, it'd be the 1700s, uh, a beautiful statement on how wonderful the cross is. I, I pray that that would always be our hearts, that when we see the cross, when we survey the cross, when we think about the cross, we would be moved from the very depths of our soul uh, to praise our Lord and Savior. Uh, let's go ahead and take a few minutes of fellowship uh, before we get to the sermon. And if you've got your Bibles, turn with me to Matthew chapter 24, and uh, that's where we've been the past few weeks and where we will be for a long time. So uh, just settle in and, and hang out there in Matthew 24, which I think, and, and I probably will keep saying this, I think it's the greatest prophecy chapter in the entire Bible. 
I don't think you can find a better chapter in Matthew 24 and even Matthew 25 anywhere else in the Bible than here. And in this chapter in Matthew 24, Jesus tells us what to expect as the end approaches. He gives us a picture of what the world will look like as it comes to an end. And today we're going to see that as the world comes to an end, it will be a world that's at war. So I titled the sermon today, and you'll see the, the title in the verses that we're going to read. I titled the sermon, Wars and Rumors of Wars. That the world will be a world at war as the day approaches, as the end comes. So I want you to stand with me, and we're going to read verses 1 through 7 today, and focus our attention just on verses 6 and 7. And my hope, my goal, my prayer today, and as we study this chapter, is to give us a biblical understanding of the end times. I don't think a lot of people have a good understanding of it. I want to prepare our hearts for what's to come. And I think that's the whole point of what Jesus is doing here. I think he's preparing their hearts. This is very pastoral of him. He wants this to, to not be written on an end times whiteboard. He wants this to be written on our hearts. And I want that to be the case for us today. So I want you to look at this. Wars and rumors of wars. Starting in verse 1, I want to just get a, get a good running start at it. The Word of God says in verse 1 of Matthew 24, And Jesus went out. And he departed from the temple, and his disciples came to him for to show him the buildings of the temple. And Jesus said unto them, See ye not all these things? Verily I say unto you, There shall not be left here one stone upon another that shall not be thrown down. And as he said upon the Mount of Olives, the disciples came unto him privately, saying, Tell us when shall these things be, and what shall be the sign of thy coming and of the end of the world? That question starts it all. And Jesus answered, and he said unto them, Take heed that no man deceive you. For many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. And here's our verse for today. And you shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that ye be not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation shall rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. And there shall be famines and pestilences and earthquakes in divers places. We'll stop right there, but we're going to look at today the, the wars and the rumors of wars. It'll be a time of great, great, great war. So let's go ahead and pray and we'll study this passage. Father, uh, I ask for your help here today. I've just said just a second ago, this is the first sermon I've ever preached on war, but I think it's necessary for us to hear. I think it's something we need to learn, and God, I pray that you teach it to us today. And not just so that we'll be able to diagram or chart the end times, which there's nothing wrong with that but that we would take it to heart and be able to prepare ourselves and to have peace in the midst of war, a world at war. So teach us these things and prepare us with these things. Prepare our hearts, God, for what's to come. And help me to do it right and to do it well, to do it where everybody in here can understand. And if there's anybody in here who's not prepared for the end, then they will stand before you and give an account for the life that they've lived that today would be the day that they make that right and turn to Jesus. Please bless the preaching of your word. We ask and pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. There is one subject that dominates our world more than anything else. And you can name all kinds of subjects that you think dominates our news or, or our, our feeds on social media, but there's one subject that dominates our world more than anything else, and it is the subject of war. Everywhere we turn, we hear about war. It dominates our lives. It has dominated history. Every time you, you read history or study history, whether it's U.S. history or world history, every page that you turn, you're turning to a page that's going to tell you about a, a war. Our world is dominated by war. We live in a world that can't get along. I think you guys know that. 
We live in a world that, that fights, that kills, and that conquers. And when we talk about war, we seem to glamorize war to the point where we think it's something better than what it actually is. We, we have kids that grow up and they want to play war. When I was a kid, I would play war. I thought I was Rambo at one point. I put the headband on and I had the knife and I was walking around acting like Rambo, putting mud on my face. I was, I was Rambo. I was Josh Rambo. <laughs> and you walk around with toy guns and with knives and you, you know, you're playing war and you're, you're hiding and we're playing outside and not inside. And then our kids today are playing video games and they're playing uh, war games and they're, they're playing first person shooter games where they're, they're fighting each other and, and they love war and they're, they're killing and there's tanks and there's bombs and there's, there's different types of guns that they're using and all our kids love war. We watch war movies. Some of our, our favorite movies are, are war movies. Our favorite characters of all, all time are war heroes. We tell war stories. We look up to, to war heroes. There's nothing wrong with that. We love our war heroes. But we glamorize war to the point where everybody thinks it's a great thing, and, and it's not. When war comes, it's an ugly thing, even a, a horrific thing. It, it is a, a thing that, that brings death, great death, and, and great destruction. The, the result of wars in our country is massive cemeteries. You ever been to the cemetery in D.C.? It's filled with graves of people who lost their lives in war. Widows are left and orphans. Cities and nations are decimated burned to the ground, bombed. It's horrific. It's an ugly thing. It's the worst thing. War is not meant to be. But we see it everywhere we turn. And it will never end. War doesn't stop. Douglas MacArthur was talking at a West Point graduation in the 1970s, and he said this, Only the dead have seen the end of war. So he's saying it will never end. And Jesus here says the same thing, that it's going to just keep on coming. It'll never stop. And we know where we are in Matthew 24 as he's, as he's come to the top of the Mount of Olives and he only has a day or so left. He doesn't have long left before he goes to the cross and he, and he, and he fights his own war against death, hell, and the grave. And he dies for our sin. We know he's only got a, a, a day or so left, maybe even hours before he goes to the cross. And the disciples come to him, and I just read it. They asked, what will be the sign that the end is near? How will we know when it's getting close. Give us some signs. What should we look for of your second coming? And Jesus answers. And, and we've been looking at them. And, and this is a second. When he gives a six signs of, of what the end will be like. And how it will go. And these are again I've said it, it's prophetic. Yes. He's predicting the, the end. He knows it all. He shows he's a son of God. But it's also very pastoral. And he prepares them. That it's not going to get better. It's going to get worse. It's going to get ugly. It's going to be called a time of tribulation or a time of trouble. That the world is not getting better and better and better. The world is going to get worse and worse and worse. And this sign that we get today, he says, first one we saw that it will be a time of great deception. That was last week. Go back and watch it. I think it's, it's the, the, the most dangerous of them all. If that was the most dangerous, then this one is the most deadly. Because he says coming up now in verse 6 that this will be a time of war. As the end approaches, it will be a time of unparalleled war like we've never before seen in the history of the world. And with that war will come unparalleled death and unparalleled destruction because that's what comes from war. Understand that. I want to get that through to us today that it will be an un, a time of unparalleled war and with that war comes unparalleled death and unparalleled destruction. 
So this is what the world has to look forward to. If deception is the most dangerous, then war is the deadliest of them all. This is what where we're going. This is where the world is headed. So let's look at it today and see the wars and rumors of wars. And I'm only going to give you two points today. So I, I know that two points means longer sermon. But I just want to give you two. I want to show you the war in the world. And I want to show you the peace in our hearts. So the two points that you get today, nobody should miss these. The war and the peace. There's going to be war going on all around, but there's going to be peace within. So let's look at it today. I want to show you, first of all, the war in the world. And he says there in verse 6, and I'm just going to go you know, word by word through this. And he says in verse 6, and ye shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. And then down in verse 7 at the start, he says, For nation shall rise against nation, and kingdom will rise against kingdom. You say, what's that mean? And we hear this talked about a lot. Every time you hear of another war, somebody's going to post on social media, I say, here it comes, it's on its way, another war. So you say, what does this mean? So he says, you will be hearing of. There will be, that's what that means, you shall hear of, means you're going to hear a constant talk of war. There's going to be more and more news of war. That everywhere you turn, you're going to hear talk of, of war. That the talk of war will dominate your life. Everywhere, you won't be able to escape it. It's everywhere. War, war, war. War on top of war on top of war. The wars here is close by. I want you to get that. This first word, wars, you'll be hearing of wars which means it's right outside your window. That you'll basically be living in a, a war zone. That you'll look out your window and say, I see war. It'll be present. It, it'll be local. It, it, it'll be close by. It'll be right outside your window. You'll be surrounded by it. It'll be right here. And then he says, rumors of wars, you know what that is? That's within earshot. You'll, you'll hear about those things. Wars is what I'll see and what I'll experience and, and what'll be right in front of me. And then the rumors of wars is... Nationally, globally, it's going to be uh, even outside of our area. So, so watch this, it'll be reports of wars in faraway lands. It'll be global. You'll hear on the news, breaking news, war breaks out in another place. So you'll be seeing it close by and you'll be hearing about it far away. And then it'll involve who? Verse 7, nation against nation and kingdom against kingdom. Which means it will involve every nation and every people. That's what that is. Everybody will be involved. There won't be one single nation that's not involved. There will be wars and rumors of wars and nations going up against nations and, and kingdoms against kingdoms. People against people. It'll be, it'll be ethnic war. It'll be global war. It'll be national war. It'll be a, a war zone throughout the world. And you say... Jesus says, that's the sign. That's how you'll know it's getting close. War will break out. And you say, it's always been like that, Josh. Ever since Jesus left, there's been wars and rumors of wars. And nation has fought against nation. And kingdom against kingdom. We've had civil wars. We've had world wars. Understand that in World War, I looked it up this week. World War I, 37 million people died. That's death and destruction. World War II, 55 million people died. So there's civil wars, world wars, cold wars, terrorism. Now today we have cyber war. You say, Josh, this isn't anything new. It's been going on forever. So how is this different than what's going to happen in the end? And it goes back to verse 8. All these things are just the beginning of sorrows. It's just a birth pain. It's just a little labor. 
It starts slow. That's what I told you last week. Guess what happens is when you, when you have your wife goes in labor, it starts very, 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 very slow. And then it starts to escalate. It starts slow and there's one contraction and you're like, that ain't no big deal. <laughs> you can handle that stuff. <laughs> and then it becomes another one about you know 10 minutes later. and Before you know it, they start becoming more intense more rapid, more close together, and then you know it's about to happen. Baby's about to come. I don't panic when I see one contraction. I'm sitting there still drinking my coffee. I'm sitting there still reading my book. One contraction, I've been through this. I know baby's not coming right now. I've got a long time. But when they start coming quick and they start coming strong, I put the coffee down. I leave the room. (laughs) It's happening, you know. Don't want to see this. That's what this is saying. That you're going to hear of, of a war here and there. You're going to have a World War One. You're going to have a World War Two, and it's going to happen here, and it's going to happen there, and that'll be bad, and and that, that this will be bad, and then you'll have a, you know a, a Cold War and a, and a Vietnam War, and, and you just have these wars just spread out all over the place. But when they start coming, boom, 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 and they're all bad. You know the time is coming. It's on its way. It's just a birth pain, he says. It'll start slow. It'll be here and it'll be there. It's going to escalate and it's going to intensify. It'll get worse and worse and worse. We'll hear of more and more wars. And then eventually it's going to become so extreme that verse 21 says, For then shall be great tribulation such as was not seen since the beginning of the world to this time, nor ever shall be. That it won't be a war here and a war there. It'll be a war everywhere. The final years of history will be unprecedented in its war and destruction and death. The planet will become a battlefield. The world will become a war zone. And you say, well, what's that going to be like? So I want you to take a trip with me. Do you guys care to take a trip with me? I want you to, to jump over with me. Get, get, in, get in and let's ride together into the future. Turn with me to the book of Revelation. And I want, I want to warn you here. <laughs> I even put it in my notes. Before I start, you get on this ride with me to Revelation, and it might scare you. Because here in Revelation 6 through 18, it describes the time of Matthew 24 in great detail. Revelation 6 through 18 is the future. No matter what anybody else wants to tell you, this is the, the future. This is what's going to happen. Revelation 4 and 5, you saw worship in heaven, and it was beautiful, and it was great, and it was awesome. And you get to chapter 6, and it shows you the judgment is on its way. And it gives us great detail of these wars. And it's ugly. It's horrific. So I want to to warn you what you're about to hear. There's six major wars in Revelation. I'm only going to show you three. Maybe a fourth at the end. I want to show you Revelation 6. And I'm going to read to you the, the first war here. It says in verse, I want to read verse 1 just to, just to get you started to show you how this lines up. But it says in verse 1, And I saw the Lamb open one of the seals. First of all, that God is in complete control of this. The Lamb opens the seals all at the command of God. Everything that happens at the end is not chaos. It is completely under the control of a sovereign God. So the Lamb opens the seal. And I heard as it was a noise of thunder, one of four beasts saying, come and see. He wants us to see these things. This is detailed view of the wars and rumors of wars. 
So he says in verse 2, and I saw, this is Revelation 6, 2, and behold, a white horse, and he that sat on him had a bow with no arrows. Pay attention. This is the Antichrist. And a crown was given unto him, and he went forth conquering and to conquer. That's the deception that we saw last week. He comes not to win the world with, with, with weapons, but with deception. And then in verse 3 it says, When he opened the second seal, I heard the second beast say, Come and see. And there went out an, another horse that was red. And that red is bloodshed. This is the war. And power was given unto him that sat thereon to take peace. What happens when you take peace? What, what, what takes the place of peace when you take peace out of the world? War. So this, this comes war on the earth. That they should kill one another. And there was given unto him a great sword. That word kill there is to slay one another, to slaughter one another, even to, to slit someone's throat. This, this is like Cain and Abel. That, I mean, that's like sacri- a sacrifice that you, you slit its throat, that you're going to slay it and, and let its blood drain upon, upon the altar of the temple. This is, it's going to be a, a massive amount of bloodshed on, in the world. To kill with a great sword in verse 4. When, I, when he had opened the third seal, I heard the third beast say, Come and see. And I beheld and lo, a black horse. And he that sat on him had a pair of balances in his hand. And I heard a voice in the midst of the four beasts saying, and this will be the next one next week, but I'll go ahead and read it to you. A measure of wheat for a penny and three measures of barley for a penny. And see thou hurt not the oil and the wine that when war comes, the decimation comes with, there's going to be a lack of food. There's going to be famine and pestilences and disease. It's the destruction of war. Verse 7, when he had opened the fourth seal, I heard a voice of the fourth beast say, come and see. And I looked, and behold, a pale horse. A pale horse is a, a horse of sickness or, or death. This would be like a, a grave digger coming. And his, his name that said on him was death, and hell followed with him. And power was given unto, unto them over the fourth part of the earth to kill with the sword and with hunger and with death and, the beasts, and with the beasts of the earth. You see that the first war in Revelation is a war that kills one-fourth of the world. If our world today is just a little bit under 8 billion people, if a fourth of the world, and I've done a lot of math this week on these things, I told Gracie, I said, see, you want to use that math later on. 8 billion people in the world today, a fourth of those die, 2 billion people will be killed in the first war at the end. That's a lot of people. That's Revelation 6. Turn with me to Revelation chapter 9. I'm going to take you just to the, to the second war. And then this one, this one goes even further. It just, I told you, it, it's like labor pains. It just escalates and escalates and escalates until it becomes a whole, a whole world is at, at war. So Revelation 9, starting in verse 13. And just, just pay attention to this and, and see what it's saying. And it says, And the sixth angel sounded, and I heard a voice from the four horns of the golden altar, which is before God. So again, this is coming from God. God is in complete control of this. It's divine judgment on a cross-rejecting world saying the sixth angel which had the trumpet loose the four angels which are bound in the great river Euphrates I don't have time to get into this I, 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 I would love to preach revelation to you today I don't have time the great river Euphrates is the river in the Mideast it's where the first lie was told the first murder was committed and the first grave was dug and even today it is one of the most demonic evil pagan areas in the world and it seems to say here and we know that, that God sends bad angels 
into the pit. We see that throughout Scripture. When Jesus cast out demons out of the, out of the pig, the swine, those, those demons said, don't throw us into the pit! So when these angels, demons do something horrific, He sends them to the pit. And here four angels are let out of the pit, which are bound in the great river Euphrates, and these four angels were loosed, demon, bad boy angels, which were prepared, watch this, see how much control God has, were prepared for an hour, a day, a month, and a year. For to slay, to kill, to murder a third part of men. I'll tell you just just a second. But you see there, who is in complete control, even of the hour that this happens. Down to the second when this happens. This is a predetermined hour that God lets them loose and and go into the world and watch what they do. And the number of the horsemen that that were 200,000,000. See, I'm doing math this week. And I heard the number of them. You say, how many is 200,000,000? Does anybody know how many 200,000,000 is? It's 200 million. It's a 200 million, some would say men army, I would say demonic army. Either way, this is a humongous army. And it says in verse 17, and I think that's an actual number. He says it there, and the number of them. And in verse 16, I heard the number of them. 200 million. It's a demonic army. Verse 17, And thus I saw the horses in, in the vision, and then that sat on them, having breastplates of fire, and jacinth, and brimstone. And the heads of the horses were as the heads of lions. And out of their mouths issued fire, and smoke, and brimstone. And by these three was a third part of men killed. Here's my math. The first one was one-fourth. The second one is one-third of the world. I don't have the exact math for this, but I know that one-fourth, Amanda, help me if I'm wrong, one-fourth plus one-third equals over half. (laughs) That's all I know. (laughs) I don't know the percentage. I don't know the exact number, but I learned enough math to know that that's over half. Over half of the world is going to be killed in just these first two wars. Over half of the world is killed. How are they killed? Watch this. And by these three, by the fire and the smoke and the brimstone, were these three killed? third part of the men by fire they were burnt up by smoke they suffocated and by brimstone which is a a gas of hell this is almost like hell on earth as the demons are loose 200 million demons are are let loose on the world and kills a third of the world that's unbelievable i told you we ain't seen no wars like this the civil war ain't like this world war one ain't nothing like this World War II, nothing. Vietnam with, with all the, the gas and the, and the things that they did to, to people then. Nothing on this. This is horrific. Leaving less than half of the population alive. This is scary. You would think. Now here's where I would think. And, and, and it says in verse 19, And for the power is in their mouth and their tails. And their tails were like serpents and had heads with them that, that do hurt. Describing this army. And in verse 20, you would think, if, if you're living in this time, which I don't believe we will be living in this time. Amen. I believe we'll be raptured before this. Amen. But if I were living in this time, and I saw, even if, even if I'm living in, in the time that I'm living now, and the wars and the rumors of wars are already starting to escalate. I mean, here we are in our time now, and things are starting to ramp up. I mean, the first war, you're sitting there thinking, okay, I can still drink my coffee. i got some time. I mean, the baby's not coming just yet. But when things really start escalating, you would think that the people in the world would say, okay, something's happening. I need to get right with God. 
You would think. You would think that with things happening in our world today, as they're ramping up, that the churches today would be full. That people wouldn't be running to what the government says, that the alcohol stores are, that you have to have those. They're essential. But churches, we don't need those. Nonsense. As these things ramp up, you'd think people would be turning to God. But they're not. Watch this. Watch this. I read this this week and I said it has nothing to do with wars, but I've got to preach this. Verse 20, and the rest of the men which were not killed by these plagues. We'll talk about plagues next week. What did they do? Repented, turned to Christ, got their lives right. Yet they repented not of the works of their hands. And they kept worshiping devils and idols and gold and silver and brass and stone and wood, whether they can see nor hear nor walk. It's like they're blind. And then it says, verse 21, neither repented they of their murders, nor of their sorceries. You know what the word sorcery is there? Same word you get the word pharmacy from. They keep right on with their drugs and their alcohol, trying to cope with what's going on in the world. They keep on going with their fornication, their sex, and their thefts like nothing is going on in the world. Is that not picturesque of what's going on in our world today? That things are ramping up. And I can say this without, without any problem. We're closer to the return of Christ today than we ever have been. And we're seeing signs. I mean, we're talking about wars now. Next week will be pestilences and disease and natural disasters. We're seeing these things ramp up and we're closer and closer and yet people are still doing these things and not turning to Christ. How blind are they? Even Christians are like, eh, I've heard it all before. That's like me sitting there and watching Steph's contractions just getting closer and closer and worse and worse. And the doctors come in and say, it's on its way! And I'm like, I've heard that before. (laughs) It ain't no way. I'm going to Arby's. (laughs) Come back and miss out. So they just keep on. That's the second world war. I'm going to give you a third one. told you I didn't have time for the all six. Revelation. Sixteen. Revelation 16, starting in verse 12. And I'm going to do my best with this as we go through the Matthew 24, is to take Matthew 24 into Revelation. So we get a good understanding of the whole thing. Revelation 16, verse 12. It says, And the sixth angel poured out his vial upon the great river Euphrates. There's the river again. And the water thereof was dried up. To make way for the kings of the east that they might be prepared. You say, what's the kings of the east? The the great river Euphrates is is dried up so that the the armies of the world can come to Israel. The kings of the east would be India and China and Japan. The kings of the east would be the rising sun. So all these armies are gathering together and and all the nations and all the kingdoms of the world are headed to to one place to go to war. And and, and who are they going to war against? This isn't nation against nation and kingdom against kingdom. All these nations and all these kingdoms are gathering together. And you know we're in Revelation 16. It's almost the end. They're all gathering in one place. Every army. And they're going to war against who? Against God. 
Watch what it says. And I saw three unclean spirits like frogs, foul, nasty, come out of the mouth of the dragon. And out of the mouth of the beast and out of the mouth of the false prophet. But there's the spirits of the devil working miracles. What's, think of this. These are demonically inspired, possessed armies. That have to be to go against God. I mean, they, they, can you imagine the leaders of these armies that, that have this spirit that, that, uh, of the devil in them? They're all just frantic. They're, all, they're ready to fight. And they go and watch what it says. Which to go forth unto the kings of the earth and the whole world to gather them to the battle of the great day of God Almighty. They come for a battle against God. And God is the one who dried up the river Euphrates and they thought it was a passageway, but it's a trap that God has set so he can knock them down. They all gather in one place, it says in verse 16. And he gathered them. Who gathered them? God gathered them together. God's just bringing the, all these armies together like, like bowling pins that every nation is going to be set up and God's just going to knock them down with one strike. It's a pretty good illustration. And he gathered them together in one place. And I, I want to describe this place to you. I only have two points, but we're going to... <laughs> and he gathered them together into a place and he called the Hebrew tongue. You all have heard this. Armageddon. You say, what's that? It's the plain of Mount Megiddo. There's a Mount Megiddo in, in, in Israel. And at, at the bottom of it, there's a plain. And there's been over 200 wars that have been fought there. And Napoleon, you guys have heard of Napoleon. Tiny little warmonger is what he was. He called this valley the greatest battlefield on earth. He called it the battlefield of all battlefields. It's been described, even today, you can Google it. And if somebody here is going to Google it right now. It's like a massive football field with, with mountains all around it and just a, a flat area where the, the, the nations of the world can come and, and have the last battle. We've never seen a war like this. In verse 16 it says, And he gathered them together in a place called the Hebrew tongue Armageddon. And I like this. The seventh angel poured out in verse 17 his vial into the air. And there came a great voice out of the temple of heaven from the throne. Well, who's at the throne? God is. And he says it's done. Same place where Jesus died on the cross for the sins of man. Where he said it is finished. And in this valley, man will die for their own sins and be judged and damned. Judgment will be poured out here. It's done. I'll stop there. We'll talk about verse 18 next week. Voices and thundering and lightning and great earthquakes such as the, was not seen since men were upon the earth and a mighty earthquake so great. We'll talk, talk about that next week. But I just want you to see here that this is what's coming. And, and I want to move from this point. And, and, and now more than ever, we see how this could happen. I think, I mean, you used to sit there and think, oh, how could all the world come together and go to war at the, at the same time? But our world right now, and you know this and I know this, is a powder keg. And all somebody has to do, and, and I sit and pray it all the time, don't light it! Don't light the fuse! Any leader of any nation, all they have to do is push a button and at any time, the whole world could go to war. 
We know it could happen. Maybe at those times we didn't think it could happen, but we've got greater weapons with greater destruction and greater power and greater knowledge and we can see more and know more and do more and planes and drones and helicopters. All it takes is one man to push one button and the world is at war. We are close to this. We could be the generation that is raptured out, bringing in this death and destruction. And we're not getting ready. My heart breaks as people continue. It'll say that in Matthew 24. Just keep on living their lives like nothing's going on. When Jesus gave us the signs, here it is. It's on its way, it's coming. The contractions are getting closer and closer and closer and more intense than they've ever been. And we just go on with our lives. So what do we do? With the world all around us at war, what do we do? Turn back with me to Matthew 24. Because as Jesus says this, Verse 6, you shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you be not troubled. I like that. You know what that is? With wars going on all around us, Jesus gives us peace within us. Let me say that again. That's the main point of this sermon. With wars going on all around us, Jesus gives us peace within. Only Jesus can give us peace within. Only Jesus could give us. As we hear of wars and we see wars and it's all around us and we live at a, a, a battlefield, only Christians can be sitting in their house completely at peace with everything that's going on. And that's what he says here. I like this. He says, see to it, which is great. Here's what you need to do. Here's what the disciples need to do. Here's what we need to do. See that you do this. I say that to my kids all the time. I leave the house. See, see that you do this. See that you let the dog out. See that you do your work. See to it. And he's saying, see to it, guys. You have to do this. Don't be troubled. Don't panic. Don't be alarmed. Don't go nuts. Don't be troubled, guys. You would think that he says that the world's going to be at war. You would think that everybody around would be panicking and running and scared to death. And he looks up and says, no, 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 no. Don't be, don't be, don't be troubled by it. I think it'll be easy to be terrified. It's easy to be terrified right now. It's a natural reaction when you hear these things. Luke 21 calls it fearful sights. When you see these things, it's our natural reaction to look around and to shake and to panic. And again, in our day right now, it's easy to watch the news and to panic and to be troubled. And to be stressed out. And to be worried. And to be alarmed. But Jesus says here to us, again, this is His words to His disciples. And I believe I've circled it in red. This is His word to us today. He's, he's not speaking to us in a voice today. He's speaking to us in a, in a verse today. That He wants the people of West End, living in the time that we're living in, to calm down. Don't be troubled, guys. What a pastoral heart He had. Calm down. Everything's okay. That's what he's saying here. And, and, and he gives us a reason. Because you just can't tell somebody to calm down. You ever been fighting with your spouse? Not me and Steph, never. And she, and, and, and she may get, get, get aggravated. And you look at her and say, just calm down. 
Don't ever do that. It never calms anybody down. And me sitting here today looking at all of you guys, I can't look at you and say, guys, I know the world is going to hell. I know it is. Just calm down. Calm down. Just calm down. You want to say, okay, sounds good, but how can we calm down? Don't you see what's going on? Everything's chaos in the world. So Jesus doesn't just say calm down. He gives a reason. Look what he says. I love it. Don't be troubled for here because. <laughs> yes. All these things must come to pass. But the end isn't yet. You say, what does that mean? I've underlined all these things must come to pass. All these things have to happen. All these things we've got to go through. That must is a divine necessity. Jesus is saying, don't you worry. Don't you fret. Don't you be anxious. Don't you be troubled. Don't you panic. For all these things have to happen. Even better. You guys get this. All these things are God's plan. I like that. Jesus here didn't look into the future and say, that's a part of God's plan. I'm seeing what could happen. He looked into the past when the plan was written and said, all these things must happen. Jesus doesn't have to look into the future. He looks into the past. I was there when it was written, when it was planned, before anything, anything ever happened. This was written down. This has to come to pass. This is all planned from the beginning. This is a part of, of God's plan. So calm down. Everything that's going to happen with the wars and the rumors of wars is right on schedule. Everything that's happening in our world today, don't panic. It's right on schedule. It's all a part of God's plan. There's a plan to get us to the end. You with me? It, it, it's... Looking at Steph while she's... And I'm using birth pains here. It's a good illustration. Steph has a contraction. Calm down. <laughs> it has to happen. Or we'll never get the joy at the end. This contraction is a part. And that's why women have babies. Steph will tell you that. She hates delivering the baby. It's awful. But you have to go through it to get to the end. And the end is a little baby with her hands held up in church praising the Lord. Yeah. You with me? We have to go through these birth pains in order to get Jesus coming back. Which is what we all want anyway. He says these things have to take place. So it's teaching us here. God has not lost control of the world. He hasn't lost, he, it won't be out of control in the end. It's not out of control now. God is in complete control of all things. Every single detail of our lives and of the world, God is in control. That should calm every heart in this place. That everything that happens is according to the plan of Almighty God. This is our comfort. This tells us that in the end, when it gets dark, and it will be the darkest hour of human history right before the light comes. That when we start to fear and have anxiety and doubt, we know, when we see death and destruction all around us, we know that God is in complete control and not one single detail is left to chance. Not one. Dale Ralph Davis, one of my favorite professors, said this, 
God is sovereign over all the details of history. Even the chaotic times are divinely appointed times. Everything's under control. We know God is in control. We're comforted. When war is all around us, this right here gives us peace within. Knowing that God is in control of this. This shows us even now, in our world, right now, it's the same. With all that's going on, God is in control. His hand is still on the helm of history. I love that quote. I don't even know who said it, but I wrote it down a long time ago. That God's hand, and I say on the helm of history, that would be like a, a ship's helm. Like he, He's the one as the, as the oceans are, are beating up against the ship, and everybody is, is going underneath, and they're hiding, and they're, they're panicking. That our God still has His hands on the helm of history. We, I mean, the ship is being tossed in our world today. It'll be tossed in the end. But our God is still driving the ship. Amen. Understand that. That'll give us comfort in our... There's some people that don't believe that. There's literally some Christians who don't believe that God's hand is on the helm of history. They believe that God is on the ship, but He's not controlling the ship. That somehow Satan could overthrow, that we could thwart the plan of God, that God is just sitting there watching and, and hoping and, and wanting things to work out. If that were the case, I would go to my bedroom right now and never leave. If Satan's in control, if man is in control, I'm scared to death. I'm scared of, of a virus. I'm scared of a war. But if God has His hand on the helm of history, then I can stand up tall. God is in control. We need to know that. In a world full of fear, everybody's scared to death. God is in control. No panic in His face. No wringing of His hands. I got this. Don't you and the ship worry. I'll tell you this, people outside the ship, they need to worry. But our God's in control. That comforts me. I'm not hiding in my house. God's at the helm of history. Everything in our lives and in our nation is going according to God's plan. Every bit of it. You can't read Revelation without saying, God is in control of everything meticulously every detail he's got it all figured out I just read that in Revelation 9 the hour the day the month the year all planned I like it so be not troubled that's what he's saying there don't you worry and I'll give you another one this is our confidence it might look bad in the end. It might look bad now. I gave you comfort, and I want to give you confidence. Gave you comfort, and this is, this is me being a pastor. I want to give my people comfort. Jesus is giving His disciples comfort. I'm here today not to give you a bunch of details about wars and rumors of wars, but to give you comfort in the midst of a chaotic world. So we've given you comfort, now let me give you confidence, because it may look like we're losing. <laughs> right? In the end... I guarantee you, Revelation 6 through 18, that there's going to be people living in that time saying, whoa, it looks like the bad people win. The world is falling apart. Where's God in all this? And there may be people even in our world right now that say, whew, it looks like the church is failing. It looks like evil is winning. Where's God? 
But it said the same thing at the cross, didn't it? Looks like Jesus is losing on the cross. What's going on? What's up? He turned things around real quick. We see a conqueror on the cross. And we'll see a conqueror in the end. I'm going to take you and show you one more war. Revelation chapter 19. My favorite war. (laughs) If there's a favorite war, this is my favorite. Because he's going to turn things around again. Just when you think that everything's going to hell, Jesus comes back. Are you with me? You get to Revelation 19, and it's the final war. The war to end all wars. This is the end. This is the end of man. This is Acts 17 when God said, I have fixed a day when I will judge the world in righteousness. Here it is. Revelation 19 is the end when Jesus returns. The old song says, Behold, He comes. Here He comes. Because in that verse in Matthew 24, he said the end isn't yet. I turned you to when the end is. I want to show you that he wins in the end. This is our confidence. Look what it says. Here comes the gates of heaven opening wide. In Acts 1, he ascended. In Revelation 19, he descends. Same spot, Mount of Olives. GPS it. Google Earth it. That's where he's coming back. God even has that spot determined. Revelation 19.11 And I saw heaven opened. Let's just read it. You want to read it? Yeah, let's read it. I saw heaven opened. This is the end. This is what we're looking for. Second coming of Christ. I saw heaven open. And behold, a white horse. He's not on a donkey anymore. He's on a white steed. And he that sat upon it was called faithful and true. You know what that means? It means I told you I was coming back. A lot of mockers would say, where is he? You've been saying Jesus is coming back. And he comes back with the words faithful and true. I told you I would. I keep every word that I say. And it says he comes back what, what, to do what? He comes back, he's called faithful and true, and in righteousness he does judge and make war. He's not coming back in humility to die. He's coming back to judge and to make war. He's coming back as a man of war. Verse 12, his eyes were as a flame of fire. And on his head were many crowns, which means that he has all the crowns of all the kingdoms, of all the peoples of all the earth. That he has sovereignty upon sovereignty upon sovereignty. And he had a name written that no man knew but himself. He was clothed with, a, clothed with a vesture dipped in blood. It's not his own blood. It's the blood of his enemies. And his name is called the Word of God. And the armies which were in heaven. See those armies? This is war. The armies which were in heaven followed him upon white horses. And they were clothed in fine linen and white and clean. I'm going to stop there just for a second. You can put your finger there. Who's the armies that come with him? Yes. I like that. In most battles... You have your army out in front of you with your leader behind you directing the army. But when Jesus comes back, the army is out behind him with a leader out in front fighting the battle for them. So the armies are following him. And out of his mouth goes a sharp sword. He don't even have to, he don't have to wipe them out with a weapon, but with his word. One word and it wipes all of them out. The military scene. And out of his mouth goes a sharp sword that he should smite the nations. That's Psalm 2 language. Dash them to pieces like a potter's vessel. With his word, he, he shatters them. And he should rule them with a rod of iron. 
And he treads the winepress of the fierceness of the wrath of Almighty God. He crushes them like grapes in a winepress. That's a bloody image, isn't it? I don't know if you guys have ever seen a winepress where people get down in the, they had them in, the, in a little, little hole. They put all the grapes in and they throw men in there and they take those grapes making wine and all the grapes would crush. It had a little hole that would drain the wine out. And it says that when Jesus comes back, it's, he's crushing his enemies like they would crush grapes. And it's not wine that's flowing, it'll be blood that's flowing. Revelation 14 says the blood of his enemies would be up to the bridle of a horse. This is a military scene. Crushes them. It's a bloodbath. It's the fierceness of the wrath of Almighty God. And he has on his vesture and on his thigh a name written that now he is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He wins. He defeats all of his enemies. All those who turned against him, all those who threw their fist up at him, all those who said he didn't exist, all those who said he wasn't good, all those who said he wasn't great. There was a Hitchens man who wrote a book years ago called God Isn't Great. Crushed enemies. This is destruction. That he's the final one standing alone victoriously in the end. This is the final outcome. This is how it all ends. I told you, there's certainty here. And, and in this certainty, I think there's a, a couple things that, that we need to learn. And I want to close with this, that, that we need to learn here. Number one, don't be upset about the world events today. <laughs> it's all under divine control. And it's all going to a, a determined end right here when every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. That's where it's all going to end. That's where we're all headed. It may look real bad right now, just like it did when Jesus went to the cross and everybody run and, and thought it was over. But three days later, He arose victoriously. It may look bad now and it may look bad in the future with wars and rumors of wars and earthquakes and pestilence and disease. But when He comes back in Revelation 19, every enemy will be defeated. That's good news. Jesus wins. Jesus comes back. Jesus conquers. Jesus judges. So don't be upset about everything that's going on. It's all okay. Yeah. Number two, I'll give you this one. That's for Christians today. Anybody here that's not a Christian, you need to be on the right side of history. That's, that's what they're saying today, everybody. With everything that goes on, you've got to be on the right side of history. You've got to be on the right side of history. They're going to look back at you and say, where did you stand? You better be on Jesus' side in the end. That's the right side of history. You get to Revelation chapter 19 and in war, there's only two sides. It's Jesus' side and not Jesus' side. You better be on Jesus' side. If there's anybody in here who has any doubt whatsoever which side you're on, there's no middle ground. If you're in the middle, you're on the wrong side. So you better be on the right side of history. You better be on Jesus' side. He's coming back. He's going to conquer. He's going to judge. He's going to rule. And if you're not on His side, He will stomp you. Dash you to pieces. That's a message the world isn't hearing today, but they need to hear. I, I used to do that when I was a kid. Watch TV with my dad. I'd say, who's the two teams playing, Dad? Who's this one and this one? Which one's winning? <laughs> well, this one is. That's my favorite team. And then just the other day, I was watching college football at my dad's house with Isaiah. I said, Isaiah, you need a favorite college football team. 
He said, who's the number one team in the nation? I said, Alabama. He said, that's my favorite team. <laughs> I said, no, no. He said, who you want me to pick, Dad? Tennessee. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> See, you guys are picking teams. You're picking sides. You better pick the winner. This isn't Alabama and Tennessee. This isn't Florida. This isn't Virginia Tech. If they lose, it don't matter. But if you're on the wrong side of, of eternal history, it matters. Pick the right side. That's why we wear shirts that says, Jesus is Lord. You know what that says? I'm on His side. I don't bow to everybody else. To all the kingdoms and the nations and the leaders and the rulers of the world. I bow my knee to Jesus as Lord. I'm on His side. That's where we are. That's where we stand. Where do you stand? Which side are you on? You better be on Jesus' side today. The leader of our army offers you, <laughs> extends to you grace. It says, join our side. Join our side. You say, what do I have to do? I have to defect from one side and go to the other, right? You better believe you do. I turn from the world and sin and Satan and mankind and I turn to Jesus. And I wave the white flag of surrender and say, please accept me on your side. I fought against you long enough. I bow my knee to you, Jesus. Do with me as you please. And our leader just isn't a warrior. He is a kind and gracious and merciful God. And he will bring you into his ranks. And he will take care of you. And you'll win in the end, no matter how bad it looks today. That's the side you need to be on. This is what is going to, what's going to happen. And you may lose every single battle in this life. You might. I might lose every single battle I fight in this life. Our politicians may not be what we want them to be. My guy may not win. No matter what happens in this life, I'm a winner in the end. Either way, I'm a winner in the end. If you're on Jesus' side, no matter what happens in this life, all around you may be war. But because I know how it ends... I've got peace right here that nobody can take away. Do you have that? I hope you do. If you don't, I ask you to believe in Jesus today. Turn to him and say, I want to be on your side. My faith is in you. And bow the knee to Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for letting us see the end. For giving us a hope, hope, comfort, and confidence today. That was my goal in preaching this sermon. I pray it was given to the people. Confidence that you're in control. Comfort that everything's going to be all right. That in the end, we're all winners. Not because of who we are, but because of what your son is. And God, I pray for anybody here today who is an unbeliever and they're on the wrong side. That today they would bow the knee and they would confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Please work in hearts to do that today. I'm not trying to scare anybody. I'm trying to tell them the truth. And if it scares people, then good. They need to bow the knee. I'm not scared of this. I'm confident in this. This very thing. That this is how it's going to end. And no matter how bad it looks now, we as believers are winners in the end. So God, work in hearts. Use your word to accomplish your purposes. And we ask and pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.